What would it take for the Jewish people to be ready to leave Egypt? And more importantly, what did they have to do to ensure that when they left Egypt, they didn't bring Egypt mentality with them? Rashi will teach us all of this based on, a, on an interesting insight into how they prepared themselves for the Korban Pesach. Probably one of the most noticeable differences between the Pesach is offering as it was brought in Mitzrayim and as it is brought throughout the course of history is They had to, in the case of Egypt, prepare the, the lamb and take it for the current Pesach four days beforehand on the 10th of the month. Which is something that does not apply to the carbon Pesach through the generations. Even though the carbon Pesach throughout the generations had to be investigated, examined to make sure that it had no disqualifying blemishes. And that happens four days before you bring it. You don't have to take and designate the lamb for the Korban Pesach four days in advance that only happened when the Jews were in Egypt. Why? To explain why it is that specifically in Mitzrayim they had to take the lamb and prepare it four days in advance. Which as we've mentioned is unlike how it is during the course of the rest of history. Rashi quotes the Mechilta which is one of the Midrashic sources as explaining as follows. This great sage of Masim and Chorosh would typically say, the Pasuk in Yecheskel tells us, that Ebeshter passed over us and saw that we were not yet ready to leave Mitzrayim. We were so-called so bearer of mitzvahs. Says Rashi, It's now the time where I have to fulfill the promise Hashem says, and I made to Avram Avinu that I would redeem his children. And they didn't have any mitzvahs to engage with, and that's an important word, to lisasik, to toil with. That would merit them leaving Egypt. As the Pasuk says, You were naked and bare. Therefore, tells us that the Ebrister therefore gave them two mitzvahs to focus on, Pesach, Dam Pesach, the blood of the Korm Pesach, and the blood of circumcision, because that night they also circumcised themselves and their children. Now, let's ask a few questions about what Rashi is telling us. Number one, is this really an answer? Aleph. Rabbi Masim Chorosh Bir Bidvarov, Rabbi Masim Chorosh, in his words, only explains Rakasatam Lakach, why Hashem gave them a carbon Pesach at all? Because they needed mitzvahs. They needed mitzvahs to occupy themselves with so that they could merit to leave. But the question that we're trying to address over here, which Rashi wants to also understand, is why did you have to take the lamb in advance? And specifically four days in advance. Not longer, not shorter. That question still remains. So how has Rashi addressed that question by telling us that Rabbi Masim and Chorosh explains why they needed a Korban Pesach at all? Furthermore, Bayes, Yeser Al-Kain, Rabbi Masim and Chorosh, the truth is, Rabbi Masim and Chorosh doesn't even say anything about taking the lamb to be used as a Korban Pesach. Al-Dam Pesach, he only talks about the fact that the blood of the Korban Pesach would be this testimony that they deserve to leave Egypt. Most likely, what Rabbi Masim and Chorosh is talking about when he speaks about the blood must be where Hashem tells him that you've got to take the blood of the Korban Pesach, put it on the doorposts and on the lintel. 
Now that activity of putting the blood on the doorposts happened obviously after the animal was shechted, and that's biyudalad nisan ben harboim on the fourteenth of Nisan in the afternoon, four days after taking the sheep. How does speaking about the blood resolve the question of why they took the sheep four days earlier? Now, Gimel, even if you want to try and squeeze out an answer to say, they're talking about taking the blood, obviously means you first have to take the lamb in order to have the blood, maybe that's the answer, because it's a necessary prerequisite to Shechta in the Korban Pesach. Well, then it's still strange that, Rabbi, that Rashi should quote Rabbi Masim and Chorash, the Inyan Mipnei Mahikim Mikhasa who also quotes not only the Korban Pesach, but also the blood of the Bris Mila that Rashi quotes. Why? Which is obviously something that David instructed at the same time and seems to have nothing to do with our question, which is why do you take the sheep four days in advance? And not only that, Dalad Yeserim is there. The idea that in order to eat the Korban Pesach, a person has to be circumcised applies right across history. And to the contrary, or on the other side of the argument, if somebody was already circumcised, then that mitzvah did not apply to them at the time of Korban Pesach in Mitzrayim. So why is that relevant to our conversation? We're trying to understand what is unique about the Korban Pesach in Egypt, that it had to be taken four days in advance, the bris milah is not unique to the Pesach in Egypt, surely has nothing to do with the conversation. Obira Mephoshim. So let's see how the Mephoshim try to explain it and, and if we're willing to accept this as the full explanation. So they explain the fact that Rabbi Masim Chorash tells us that Hashem gave the Yidin two mitzvahs, <coughs> the blood of the Korban Pesach and the, dam, the, the blood of the bris milah, that will actually help us to understand how we calculate that the, 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 the lamb had to be prepared four days in advance because there's a practical concept about Bris Miller that we've already learned about before which is relevant over here and gives us a time frame. What do we know about a, a, a Bris Miller? We already have learned after a person has a bris, they should not travel for at least three days. As Rashi already told us with why Moshe Rabbeinu did not give his son a bris. Back in Pasha Shmois. So therefore logically, then it must have been, surely the Mephoshim say, that the bris of the nation happened on the 10th of the month. So when they would get to Tesvav, they would be after three days at least, and they'd be able to go to travel. And then when Rashi says that they had a bris on that night, it means the night after they took the sheep to prepare for the Korban Pesach. And therefore, that would be the explanation why the Jewish people prepared the lamb four days earlier on the 10th of the month. So they could have the two mitzvahs, the mitzvahs associated with the bris and the mitzvahs associated with Korban Pesach, both of which are mitzvahs of blood, should happen at the same time. That's how the Mephoshim want to explain it to us. It has to be that they had the bris early enough to be able to travel, and we just assume that that's when they took the... The, the sheep as well, so they have both the mitzvahs together. 
The Rebbe is not satisfied with the son. So, this explanation, to suggest that when Rashi says they circumcised that night, it does not mean the night of Pesach, but rather means the night when they took and prepared the sheep four days earlier. Tzoruch Iun Godel needs a lot of insight and explanation. Because Rashi tells us clearly, Rashi says clearly the blood of the Mila and the blood, not the sheep, the blood of the carbon basic were together. As the Pasuk says, The says, I saw you wallowing in your blood, plural, that means there's two types of blood that mingled. There's no question that the blood of the Korm Pesach was on the evening leading into the 15th of Nisan. How could you possibly suggest that Rashi wants us to believe that the blood of the Mila four days earlier is now at the same time as the blood of the Korm Pesach that doesn't make sense. Let's look at what else Rashi says because it will help us understand better what's going on over here. The continuation of Rashi's explanation is there, in addition to the fact that they needed these two mitzvahs in order to earn the rights to leave Mitzrayim. They were also very immersed in idolatry. Draw back your hands and take the lamb for you. What does Mishchoh mean? Withdraw your interests, withdraw your hands from Avodah Zorah and instead bring the Korban Pesach. Now, what's intriguing about this is that Rashi just says it as if it's a continuation of what Rabbi Masih ben Chorash said, which is not the case. In fact, to the contrary, this is actually the opinion of Rabbi Elozer HaKapor, who disagrees with he argues that the Jews had mitzvahs, they deserved already to go out of Mitzrayim. And not only did they have mitzvahs, but they had the greatest kinds of mitzvahs that a person could possibly have. So therefore, with Tomor, we have a great question. If Rashi is now sharing with us two opinions, two divergent opinions, Rabbi Masya ben Chorosh and Rabbi Lozar Kapor, he should have told us. Rashi should have used one of the phrases that he typically uses to, de- to, to il- illustrate that there are two opinions. Another opinion, others Instead of that, Rashi says, Above and, and, as if the two opinions go together. As if what Rabbi Lozab ben Kapra's opinion says is a continuation of Rabbi Masih ben Chorosh. How could Rashi even suggest that? But Pirish Rashi is there. So what we're going to see over here, because you're seeing Rabbi Masih ben Chorosh's name in the Rashi and you're not seeing Rabbi Lozab Kapor, this will speak to the heart of one of the general principles of Rashi the Rebbe has discussed numerous times. Any time that Rashi quotes a Maimah Chazal telling us who the author of that Maimah Chazal is, it is for a very specific reason. Because by us knowing who said that statement, it helps us understand the statement better. Biran again the Pirish Rashi, and that additional insight is relevant to what Rashi wants to explain to us. So now let's look in our case. What Rashi's done over here is he's quoted two commentators from the Michilta, one after the other, 
And yet, the first one he attributes, he says, this was said by Rabbi Masir ben Chorosh. Whereas the very next quotation from the very next part of the Mechilta, attributed to Rabbi Lazar Kapor, he doesn't mention his name. That's significant because therefore we have to say the fact that Rashi quotes Rabbi Masi ben Chorosh by name is not simply because Rashi wants to fulfill the directive of our sages that you should always quote your sources. But knowing it is Rabbi Masim and Chorosh will help us to understand better what Rashi is teaching. Whereas the part where he mentions that they were so caught up in idolatry and therefore they needed to break free of it, that we don't need to know who said it in order to understand it fully. Even beyond that, Rashi loy stapik baskor shmoish Rabbi Masiv and Chorosh stam. Notice, Rashi doesn't just tell us who said the statement that they needed mitzvahs and that Damila and Dam Pesach would be the two mitzvahs that would get them out of Egypt. Elahetikas l'shena mechilte. He paraphrases. He quotes what the mechilte said. Hoya Rabbi Masiv and Chorosh oimer. Rabbi Masiv and Chorosh would frequently say. It's something that he would typically say. Why will it help us understand better the message of needing to have two mitzvahs by knowing it's something specifically that Rabbi Masib and Chorosh repeated often? In order to understand this, let's understand what the Jews had to achieve by bringing the Korban Pesach. And to understand that, let's understand where the Jews were holding. The explanation is this. The fact that Rashi says that they were completely immersed in idolatry. And he doesn't even give us any um, um, euphemism for it or refer to another kind of behavior. Because in the simplest way of understanding the Pasuk, which is what Rashi always focuses on, it's because if you just have Rabbi Masim and Chorosh only telling us that they had no mitzvahs and therefore Hashem introduced two mitzvahs for them, that's not going to answer our question why they took the lamb four days earlier. Especially as we've mentioned before, because Rabbi Masim and Chorosh doesn't even speak about taking the lamb. So therefore you need two parts to understand why they took the lamb four days earlier. Firstly, that they're bearer of mitzvahs and that they're completely immersed in idolatry. So to answer the question why the sheep was taken four days earlier, who besumed Ivrei Rashi is primarily answered in the end of what Rashi tells us. Because they were so addicted to idolatry, therefore they just said pull back from the idolatry and bring a, a, a lamb as a korban. What, what it's trying to tell us is not only is it telling us that practically in order to be in, in a position that you're entitled to do the mitzvah and you're entitled to take a lamb to bring as a korban and they would first have to withdraw from their idolatrous beliefs and practices 
Because as we know, halachically, a person who subscribes to idolatry is not permitted to eat a carbon Pesach. So Rashi is not just telling us that, that there's a technical issue over here and to be permitted to partake in the carbon Pesach, you first have to get rid of the idolatry. And he's telling us something far more profound. By taking a sheep to be designated for the purpose of a mitzvah, specifically a korban, that will neutralize their addiction to idolatry, and we'll speak about that in detail. Because the purpose of taking this sheep is not just to be prepared for a korban Pesach, but specifically to destroy their dependence on idolatry, it's for that reason that they had to have this sheep in their possession for four days because that length of time will completely shift what it means to take a sheep in Egypt and be willing to sacrifice it, as we'll see. But before we get to that and explain why the critical factor that smashes their idolatrous leanings is taking this sheep, before we get there, Rashi has to give us the overview. The primary reason why there is a carbon Pesach when the Jews are in Egypt, if you're reading Pshat, which is Rashi's way, Hukishmoi is, as the name Pesach indicates, Pesach Hashem Adelik the Pesach means that Hashem should skip over. In other words, they needed the current Pesach to be able to designate or demarcate the areas that Hashem should dodge when He comes to kill the firstborns. That's the Pshat. What's the connection between that and removing their engagement and involvement with idolatry? To put that all into context, how you get from putting blood on the door so Hashem knows which houses to avoid, to the point of that this sheep is going to help them break away from idolatry to get us to that point. Rashi first tells us what Rabbi Masi ben Chorash says by way of introduction. That the main objective of the mitzvahs Hashem instructed the Jewish people before redeeming, redeeming them was, was because they were bare of mitzvahs and that had to change. How do you change it? Give them mitzvahs so they can occupy themselves with those mitzvahs so they can deserve to leave Mitzrayim. Now, once we know that, let's examine what the mitzvahs are, and that will give us clarity on what the change is that makes them ready to leave Mitzrayim. The fact that Abishai gave them two mitzvahs, the Korban Pesach and its blood, and the Bris Mila and its blood, Harry move on, we can derive from that, that the primary goal of Pesach, that is all about removing this nakedness from mitzvahs, is not about the positive an animal. So you've done something positive because we need to rack up some mitzvahs. Have a breast. So you've done something positive to rack up some mitzvahs. The primary goal of he has to remove something negative. They are in a negative space. They are qualified as people bearer of mitzvahs. We need to remove the negative, And that's what these two mitzvahs have to represent. To remove something that is inappropriate as we'll explain. So, let's analyze 
the, what Rabbi Masim and Chorish teaches us. Shinasalem Shte Mitzvah Schuloi, that Hashem gave them two mitzvahs. Kaven Shabbat Yisrael, the Matzav Shabbat Erem Ve'eria, because the Yidin were bearer of mitzvahs. Oila Kushe, there's a very simple question to ask. If they're bearer of mitzvahs, is two mitzvahs going to make all the difference? Or if two mitzvahs, well, maybe even one mitzvah should make all the difference. In other words, what is the rationale between saying two mitzvahs is specifically what they need to re-identify as people who are no longer naked of mitzvahs? Whichever way you look at it, it doesn't seem to make sense. If what we want to do is move them out of the category of those who are bare of mitzvahs, give them one mitzvah, they're no longer bare. And if Hashem doesn't want to be satisfied with a single mitzvah, but rather that the Torah tells us if you see a person who is naked physically, you have to cover them with as much clothing as is necessary for their particular needs. Likewise, then maybe they just wanted to give them many more mitzvahs so they'd have much more so-called protection or schus. Then, why limit it to two mitzvahs? Give them a whole recipe of mitzvahs why these two mitzvahs not because of the quantity but because of the quality what these mitzvahs represent they are two fundamental shifts that had to happen to the Jewish people each of these two mitzvahs each one of these mitzvahs will completely remove one of the two major facets of being bearer of mitzvahs because this bearer of mitzvahs was a double issue. Number one, the fact that they didn't perform mitzvahs meant that they lacked positive things to do for Hashem. So they had no spiritual assets that they could bring with them to be able to serve Hashem at Har Sinai, which as Hashem told Moshe at the burning bush, is the goal of getting out of Mitzrayim, to serve Hashem. Well, serve Hashem with what? To get to Sinai is the schus that earns them the rights to leave Mitzrayim, but they're coming empty-handed, so they need mitzvahs to fill the void. That's the one side. On the other hand, but they also had a major lack in the other area of Judaism, which is to stay clear of the things you're not allowed to do. Why did they have a problem there? Because the toxicity of Mitzrayim had infected them, which is Ervas Ha'oretz, this most diabolical place on earth, had become part of their psyche. So in such a space, fill them up with mitzvahs to do. If we can't remove from them the negative energy of Mitzrayim, then we can't get them out of Mitzrayim. We can get them physically to change geographical location, but we can't get them out of Mitzrayim, because they may have distanced themselves physically from the location of Mitzrayim, yet they were carrying the DNA of Mitzrayim within themselves. That's why they need two mitzvahs. One mitzvah is to do something that is profoundly meaningful and positive, and that is the mila, the bris mila. What's so powerful and positive about the mila? Because that forges a covenant between the Jewish people and Hashem. It creates something beautiful and positive that wasn't there before. 
And then on mitzvah acheres, then they need a second mitzvah, poilas bohem sur meirah, which will strip away the negative, hasoras arashal mitzrayim, remove the negative toxic energy of mitzrayim. And that's dam pesach kidil kamon sivzayim, as we're about to explain, that was achieved specifically through the Karma Pesach. So now we understand it's not about how many mitzvahs they're doing, it's about which mitzvahs they're doing, because each one will fundamentally shift them. That will help us appreciate where the emphasis lies over Why the blood of the current Pesach is a mitzvah given to them to facilitate them leaving Mitzrayim. Why the blood? Surely the primary mitzvah of the current Pesach, even when you read it at face value, who is to eat the current Pesach. Like you see, immediately after they're told to take the, carb, the, 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 the sheep that's going to become the Karm Pesach, straight away they have to start working out how many people are going to eat from it. You designate a sheep for the household and then you've got to work out how many people are going to eat. And specifically, you have to consider that it's people who are in a physical position that they can eat the Karm Pesach and that they're not sick, etc. So yes, in terms of fulfilling the mitzvah of the Korban Pesach, the primary thing is to eat the Korban Pesach. But here, where we're trying to emphasize the stripping away of the negativity of Mitzrayim, the blood of the Korban Pesach is actually the focal point. So let's talk about this negative, this toxic spiritual attitude of Mitzrayim that's got to be removed. And what's the connection specifically between the blood of the Korban Pesach, the blood representing obviously the Shechita of the Korban Pesach, and getting rid of the negative that had uh, contaminated them in Mitzrayim. Furthermore, seeing as we know that they had no mitzvahs to count on, then you can assume that the mitzvahs Hashem instructed them are going to be mitzvahs that encompass major themes in Judaism. So it's easy to see that with a bris milah. Everybody knows that a bris milah is not a, an individual or simple mitzvah, but rather it is an encompassing mitzvah. Which is a sign of covenant between Hashem and the Jewish people. So if the bris, which is the Asay Toiv part of it, is considered such a broad, encompassing mitzvah, we have to assume that the blood of the Korban Pesach, which is the, is the negative that had to be removed, the Sumerah, also has to be something which is so fundamental and so broad. Now you've got to ask yourself, what about the blood of a Korban Pesach? It's so fundamental and so thematic to the whole of Judaism. Rashi. Rashi explains that it's because of where the Jews were at that point in time, completely caught up in the idolatry of Mitzrayim. And therefore, that's what Abisha tells them pull yourself away from the Avoid Zorah and then take the sheep as your potential Korban Pesach. The fact that they brought a Korban Pesach. That undermined, that, not that the Jews had dabbled in idolatry, but that they were addicted to idolatry. And this is what's going to break it. And also, and it's specifically idolatry, not some other uh, errant behavior. 
We already learned in Parashas Va'ira, Sha'atzayin, Ahoyah, Ha'avodazar, Shomitzrayim, that the Egyptians worshipped sheep. Then in that case, just taking a sheep, which is a deity of Egypt, with the intention to shecht it, to get them to the point to do that means they completely uprooted the psychological bonds that they had with the idolatry of Mitzrayim. Especially when you consider that they're going to kill the sheep, that's the exact opposite of worshipping the sheep. So now we've answered a really important question that the blood of the carbon Pesach is now no longer a detail of the story of the Exodus but it's fundamental to the major shift they have to make to break free of idolatry and once we understand that that's what they had to achieve then we understand clearly why they had to do so days in advance. When you consider that the Jews had not once accidentally served idolatry but it was something that they were very engaged and immersed in so something's going to happen that will completely reverse that addiction so let's assume that Hashem told them okay, take a sheep and shecht it immediately which would be a single action that wouldn't be strong enough to totally pull them out of their addictive behaviors. When they had this sheep in their house for days on end, knowing that the end game is to shecht it, that would break their mindset and their attachment to the Avodah of Mitzrayim. That's why they kept the sheep specifically for four days. Why four days? Because Rashi has already taught us much earlier in the story of Avram Avinu taking Yitzchak to the Akedah. Why did Hashem only reveal to Avram Avinu the destination of where the Akedah would take place only after or on the third day? Says Rashi, that people shouldn't come along and say, that they should create this chaos and, so to speak, urge Avram Avinu to do something in a frenzy. The Torah Daito completely, you know, mushed up his mind. And people will say, oh, well, if, if Avram Avinu had time to think it over, he wouldn't have done the Akeda. In other words, what's it telling us? What is the measurement of how you know that a person has done something with a calm, thought-through process? It's when they do it after they've waited four days. Look at Avram. The third day of travel was the fourth day after the instruction that he should take his son to Shechtim. He was given the instruction and the Torah tells us the following morning he got up early to go and do it. So now we know the template. The four days is long enough for a person to think about something in a rational, settled way. And if they're still committed to it, that means they've shifted completely. Here, the Yidin have shifted completely away from Avodah Zarah because they've had the sheep in their house for four days ready to shecht it. 
To help the child who is learning the Chumash understand what Ramasi ben Chorosh is saying really clearly. Where the child may ask, but why do we need mitzvahs? You know that Hashem promised He's going to take the Yidden out. He told us to Avraham Avinu. There was a time frame. The due date has arrived. Why do we need mitzvahs? God of the child may say, why do they still need mitzvahs to engage with in order to leave? So therefore, to explain that, Rabbi Rashi says, well, look who's talking. And not only is it something he said once off, but it's something This is a teaching that Rabbi Masim and Chorosh frequently repeated to his students because it, it, it was something that spoke to the heart of how he behaved generally. How did he behave that was unique? The Gemara tells us at a time where there was a flourishing Jewish community still in Eretz Yisrael, he established a yeshiva in Rome. There were other yeshivas around, including in Eretz Yisrael. Where was his yeshiva in Beisdin? Which was a massive, renowned yeshiva in that time. It was in Rome. But now you'll ask the question, Why did Rabbi Masim and Chorash elect at a time where Rome was so belligerent, belligerent to the Jewish people, after Chorim Ba'isheni, that's where you're going to go live? In their space? And that's going to cause people to have to leave where they live, including in Eretz Yisrael, to, to travel to his yeshiva? which is actually what the Gemara is saying there in Sanhedrin. Tzedek, 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 when the Torah tells us that you have to pursue justice, so it means, one of the things it means is that you've got to travel to where the Chachamim are to learn with them in their yeshivas. And the example is, you go after Rabbi Masim Mecharash So why didn't he just establish a yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael Kamei Rabbi Akiva? Like Rabbi Kiva is also mentioned over there. The Gemara right there says, you follow Rabbi Akiva to Bnei Brak. To explain why he, his whole shita in life was that you have a yeshiva in Rome. <coughs> That's what Rashi is alluding to over here. It says Rabbi Masim and Chorosh would always say. That basically he would consistently uh, console his students over the fact that they live in Rome. They learn in Rome. But is saying. says because you know how Geula happens. Not when we all sit safely in Eretz Yisrael, but when we're out in the places that are the antithesis of Judaism and we establish yeshivas there. In other words, you've got to find those Jews who are Roman Jews. That means to say they are bare of mitzvahs. And to work with that person so he's no longer a so-called Roman Jew. And turn him into somebody who sits in yeshiva. He doesn't just sit in a yeshiva, but that's his occupation, as the expression goes. That Masim and Chorosh says, they gave the mitzvahs to become occupied with those mitzvahs. That was the justification Rabbi Masim and Chorosh used to establish this massive yeshiva in Rome. In the place of Golos, to help the Jew who's lost in Rome, because that's how you're going to bring Mashiach. Just like they wish to help the Yidden who was stuck in Mitzrayim so they could bring the Gula from Mitzrayim. 
And that gives us a great lesson for our lives. Seeing as we're in the final Golos, which is an extension of Golos Raimi. And if we know that we're already living in the time where all of the deadlines, all of the due dates of Mashiach have passed, Yidin will complain. We've been in Golos already 2,000 years. How much longer do we have to suffer? If the whole thing was just to get out of Golos, we would have been out of Golos long ago. But David doesn't want us just to have a free ticket out of Golos. Rather, he wants you to doesn't want us to leave Golos empty-handed, void of mitzvahs. He wants us to have mitzvahs, like he wanted the Jews in Mitzrayim to have mitzvahs, so they could claim the value of leaving Mitzrayim of their own merits. And just like it was in the time of Mitzrayim, where Hashem had promised Avraham Avinu that the Yidin will eventually leave with massive wealth, Vatonu Bnei Yisrael, to which the Yidin retorted, Shem Askim Levatal Aruchush Gadol. They're quite happy to do away with the wealth. Or Bavad Sheitzman Agolus Bimheir Kacholo Efsher, just to get out of Golus earlier. Achret Zeinah Shalakadosh Baruch Hu Hayashi Yitzim Aruchush Gadol Im Kol Apirushim Sheboze. But David still wanted them to go out of Golus with this tremendous wealth, which is both physical but equally spiritual. The same applies to the imminent arrival of Mashiach. Where the Pasuk says that just like Yitzhak Mitzrayim, so in the future Hashem will show similar miracles when He takes us out of Golos. Debeshta wants us to leave with optimum wealth, which includes spiritual wealth that we would have achieved through mitzvahs. That's why we're still here reaching out to the Yidin who seem to be bare of mitzvahs and giving them mitzvahs to do so we can all get out of Golos. So that also is an indicator in this parasha to allude to the Yotzat of a Fidik Rebbe, Shistalkus Parasha's boy, who passed away Shabbos Parasha's boy. Fidik Rebbe completely invested himself in spreading Torah and Mitzvahs to the point of personal sacrifice. And he also, even subsequently, was completely engaged in touching people and ensuring that individual people do mitzvahs. Literally taking an interest in the individuals. And there are numerous stories to illustrate this. That this is what happened. And the Fidu explains why we do this. It's like the Pasuk says, if you see somebody who is bare, you clothe them. And you don't turn a blind eye to your own flesh, meaning your own brother. The Fidikarib explains what does it mean. If you see that a yid is bare of tefillin and tzitzis, dress him. Similar to Rabbi Masimin Chorosh saying that when the Jews look, look naked, give them mitzvahs. It's in order to achieve that. That's why the Friedrich Rebbe set up his yeshiva dafka in Chutzlaretz. And in Golos, specifically in this big metropolis, that has this great chaos of what Rome would have had. 
in order to use this as a place from which you could search and find those hidden who are completely bare of mitzvahs. Give them a mitzvah, a couple of mitzvahs, that they should be occupied with those mitzvahs, and then of course grow from there. Seeing as in this Geula, no Jew will be left behind. So we've got to go out and literally trace every Jew, wherever they might be, and ensure that that Yid has at least one mitzvah, and should not be naked. That Yid having a mitzvah is relevant to the entire Jewish people being redeemed from Golos. When we'll follow the Friedrich Rebbe's example in this way, that will cause, as Rabbi Masseh ben Chor says, you have the mitzvahs, then you can go out of Golos. And all those who are, in the, who are resting, so to speak, in the, in the dust, will be able to return, including the Friedrich Rebbe, and should have him in the head of your immediately.